Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. That's all I can do is I can talk to you about it. I can't go get armed men and force you into the kingdom. I can't make you contribute to the welfare of all the other people seeking the kingdom. You have to decide to do that on your own because the kingdom is about choice. God is about choice. God has given you a choice. Seek his ways or not. And what is going to determine whether or not you seek his ways, is it going to be intellectual knowledge? Is it going to be information? Are you going to decide to seek his ways and then seek them because you figured it all out? No. It wasn't that way back in the garden. It wasn't that way in Israel. It wasn't that way with Abraham. It wasn't that way with Christ. He's going to build his church upon divine revelation. Not by flesh and blood. Not by the knowledge of men. Not by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, there's nothing wrong with knowledge. But that's not really what's going to make the determining decision in your life. What is, is where your heart is at. Is your heart a stone? If so, God will have to write His laws upon the stones of the earth. Because your stony heart is too hard to receive His law. His law of loving one another as yourself. Loving Him in His ways. God speaks to you now. He speaks to you in your heart and in your mind. Will you hear Him? Will your heart and mind receive Him? If it will, you are on the road to salvation. I'm not going to say you're saved, because I don't know. You may have received the words of Christ, but like those seeds that fell on dry ground, or rocky ground, or the seeds that grew up where birds could come and eat them and devour them. So I don't know whether you will bear fruit. I don't know. You don't really know either. But you can turn around and seek it. Christ said, don't worry about tomorrow. Worry about the day. Be concerned with today. Today, what will you do to seek the kingdom of God? Will you find out the true message of the gospel? God sent His only begotten Son that ye might be saved. You're not necessarily saved because you believe in Jesus. You don't necessarily believe in Jesus because you say you believe in Jesus. And that's why. Saying you believed in Jesus, that doesn't mean anything. If you're not doing, not those who say, Lord, Lord. Not those who say, I believe, I believe. But those who do with the will of the Father. Because Christ is not in you unless you are following His ways. Once He's in you, it's easy. At least it's easier. It's not a hard thing. You won't be betraying your wife. 
You won't be betraying your children. You won't be betraying and neglecting your neighbor. You'll be wanting to be there for them because Christ wanted to be there for you. And if Christ lives in you, wouldn't you want to be doing the right thing? You know, if you're a selfish pig, Christ is not in you. That's right. He's not in you. And we have an entire society today that has grown up thinking they believe in Christ and they're full of selfish pigs. They want their benefits. I wrote an article recently, The Ugly Capitalist. And it I show how uh, Jamestown and, and, uh, and the pilgrims discovered that socialism doesn't work. Every year they starved when they tried to run their colony as a socialist government. And they knew the desperate need that there would be. They could count it for themselves. But it was to each according to his need. And from each according to his ability. And he decided, well, this is all I could do. But I would decide that because there's selfishness in me. And they didn't do as much as they needed. But when they knew that you will only get what you produce, that's what you will own. That will that is what will be guaranteed. What you produce. And we will not take one bit of it away from you. It will be yours to decide to do with as you see fit. The day both colonies decided to operate that way, which was really at the same time, same year. They had starved every year through the winter. They thought they had enough, but they never did. But as soon as they went to private ownership of property, which is capitalism, that's all capitalism is, private ownership. You, you own it. The means of production is you. Your cow, it's you. Your cow, your horse, it's yours. Your mule, it's yours. Your shovel, it's yours. The land you plow up, it's yours. What it produces, it's yours. That's capitalism. You can do with it as you see fit. As soon as they went that route of capitalism, hunger ceased. And we quote the people who lived that life. They wrote it down. Hunger ended. There was surplus every year after that. They understood that's the way God set it up. And people say capitalism won't work. Look at the country. You haven't been a capitalist country for for a hundred years. You're into deadism. And we explain all this in the article. And you can go on our website and read it. We give you the quotes. We give you the history. Figure it out. But somebody wrote me and said, No, capitalism will only work with virtuous people. Right. You're right. <laughs> I can't argue with that. He said that he loved uh, New Zealand when he went to New Zealand. He would have moved there if he could. You have to have a certain amount of money to move to New Zealand. He would have moved to New Zealand. He said they would have fixed any th medical problem I had, even my teeth. And I was just a visitor. He says that socialism is great. He said, look at all the countries that are socialist. Germany's a powerhouse. It's a socialist country. Yeah. Hitler was socialist too. That's what Nazi means. 
socialist democracy. But do you know that the people in New Zealand, the infants born in New Zealand are born with $55,000 in debt over their heads? When they register their children, they register them to pay that $55,000 in debt. And it's growing. And they don't even have an army that's in hundreds of different countries. They're just plowing the seas and warring upon nation after nation. They don't have any of that. And they're still more in debt per person than they are in the United States. The United States, I think, is only like $45,000 debt when your child is born. As soon as you register that child, he's $45,000 in debt in America. In New Zealand, he's $55,000 in debt. Why? He's a socialist. Are they starving? No, they're borrowing. They're borrowing from the future. That's what happens. People are going to the winter in those first cold days and they're out there working. They're really hungry. And, oh, I'm really hungry. I need to eat something. Okay, and I go and take from my stores. Now, you can count. Say, okay, take from these stores. Uh, I got a hundred more days till spring. Uh, probably 200 more days till the next harvest, maybe 300 more days till the next harvest, maybe 365 more days till the next harvest, depending on what I'm harvesting. And they eat. They eat good meals. But then they run out and starve in February. That's what you're doing. You borrowed against your children. You... You, you cuddle your child when he's born and put him into debt. That little infant weighs in at $55,000 in debt in New Zealand the day he is born and registered. And he's going to have to work off that debt. And that's an interest-bearing debt. So every day he is not working off that debt until he's 18, 19 years old. You have to do the work. <laughs> what happens? It becomes a burden to have a child. And so you abort them. Major cause of abortion is these iniquitous money systems. It's, it's monetary. It's economic. Besides, you're not going to need kids anyway. The state will take care of you. Your kids won't take care of you. And there's no need to have a big family because your family's not going to take care of you. So, this is your traditions. And last week we were talking about, or at least the last show, we were talking about AA. And we were correlating the processes that they use in AA, which I just downloaded off the Wikipedia site, into what you can do to seek the kingdom. Because you're not seeking the kingdom now. You're doing the exact opposite of what Christ said. You're going to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. You're not picking ministers that will feed the flock and care for the flock and provide for the needs of your flock through faith, hope, and charity. You're picking ministers who provide for your neighbor by forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, by putting your neighbor's children into debt the moment they're born. And they will have to work off that debt for the rest of their lives. And they never want you to pay it off. And their leaders don't want to pay it off. 
They want you to always be in debt. And you think you're keeping the Sabbath? Forget it. No matter what day you meet on, if that's the way you're living, you're nowhere near the Sabbath. Because the Sabbath, you work and earn your day of rest. You're not born in debt. You're born free souls under God. With parents who love you. Who will not sell you for benefits. Upon an altar of blood. Because that's what you're doing. All those stories, they're symbolic of exactly what people are doing today. They're selling their children into debt. So that they can have benefits. Oh, I won't get a deduction unless I register this child. And now I'm not telling you don't register your child. I'm telling you to turn around and start seeking the kingdom. You cannot survive in the days ahead without Christ. And why would Christ come to you if you will not come to the needs of your neighbor? And there are some neighbors that are so piggish that you probably shouldn't even come and bother to come to their... You know, if they... You don't cast your pearls before swine... Seek those who want to follow Christ and serve one another, who want to love their neighbor as themselves. Seek them out and gather together in them, and not simply in a local congregation, but in congregations of congregation, in a national and international network of faith, hope, and charity that are actually seeking the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That's what you need to be doing. And that's what we're trying to show you how to do. But you're addicted to benefits. And that's why you need sin anonymous. You need to overcome your addiction to coveting your neighbor's goods. You need to find the way of Christ. The ultimate revolutionary. Who is going to actually seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness first. By taking care of one another in faith, hope, and charity. Something the church used to do every day. It was what the church was all about. But it's not what many of you are about. So what were the the 12 things in the steps of AA? We'll go over them real quick and then we'll get into the traditions. Admit you cannot do it. That's humility. You can't do it yourself. You cannot save yourself. You, it's Christ that saves you. And how do you find Christ? He is in the hearts and minds of people. Gather with those kinds of people that actually manifest the imprint of Christ in their hearts, in their minds, and their works. If they're not doing the works of Christ, they don't know Christ because... If you love him, you will keep his commandments and do what he said. So if you say, oh, we don't need to gather together, forget it. That guy doesn't know Christ. He needs to repent. Now, you can go and tell him, if you love him, you can say, you know, you need to repent of this ridiculousness. Everywhere you see in the New Testament, they're gathering together to take care of the needy, to take care of the widows and orphans in the daily ministration. And they're picking ministers to do this. So this idea that, oh, we don't need ministers, we're all kings. Yes, we are all kings, but we are all princes of our own house. We're not a king of our, our neighbor's house. We need to come together for our neighbor as much as we want our neighbor to come 
to save us. And you say, oh, I don't need that. I just need Jesus. I could tell you the story of the guy who was in the flood and the waters were rising and somebody came by with a boat and said, get in. And he said, no, I trust in the Lord. And then, you know, uh, actually, I guess they come by with a jeep first and then they come by with a boat. And then eventually he's on the roof and helicopter comes. And he says, no, I'm trusting in Jesus. And then eventually he drowns and washes away. And when he gets to heaven, he says, Jesus, you know, why didn't you save me? He says, I sent a jeep, a boat, and a helicopter. What else could I do? You didn't have the sense to take them. Well, he's sending you a message right now to gather together with others, not to be saved, but to save others. And then he will hear your voice when you cry out, I I can't do it alone. Admit you cannot do it alone. But start, like the prodigal son, back to caring about others as much as you care about yourself. And God will hear you and he will give you more. If you don't do that much, he will take away what he has given you. You need something greater than yourself, which is step two. You have to turn from the ways you have been going and start looking another place for your benefits. Start. It's not a, you know, jump thing. It's a turn around. Go the other way. You've got to do some backtracking. Whereas you did nothing before, do something now. And then tomorrow, do something more. Strive, seek, go after. Put your hand to the plow and don't look back. Start, stop pointing the finger at government. It's not government's fault. It's your fault. It's not your parents' fault. It's your fault. You're grown up. Face the responsibility. Admit your error. To yourself and to other people. Say, I used to look this way and I'm not going to do that anymore. And I would like you to help me remember that. That's You have to gather together to do that. Get ready to change your ways. So you're in debt. Start trying to get out of debt. Start paying off your debt. Lower your standard of living now. So that when the winter comes, you will not be starving. Eat less now. Fast now. So that you will have something to get you through the rough times. Start pinching those pennies. But don't pinch them against charity. Go out and give to others. You're not saving yourself. You're saving yourself by helping save others. But that means you have to prepare yourself. Learn the skills. Gather together and learn together with other people. Study groups are always better. Stay humble in asking for the power to do all this. You have to have the character of the Creator in your heart. He's a giver of life. You need to be too. Think about all the people you've harmed, all the children you have put into debt. Turn around. Be forgiving. Your son becomes a a Muslim. Forgive him. Don't hold that against him. Bless him. I'm not saying condone it. Bless him. I'm here for you. Be there for him. Forgive him. Let God be judge. He's probably reacting against the false Christianity that's all around him. I mean, how many people say, Oh, I love Jesus, but they're not doing it. They're not even coming together with the idea of helping one another. Forgive. Give. 
Sacrifice yourself so that you may have life more abundant. Make direct amends. Actually do things. Turn that turning around into actual actions. And all the time continue to take an inventory of yourself. How patient are you? How loving are you? How forgiving are you? Pray about this. Meditate about it. Think about it. Be still and know that you cannot change yourself, but you can be changed. But when God gives you a talent, use it according to His service. And He will give you two. And use that. And then He'll give you three. And he'll, and use that. Carry this message in your actions and your deeds to others. And we just went through all twelve. So anyway, in the Bible they talk about Corbin as a tradition. And why was it a tradition? Because the same word they translate tradition there is also the word ordinance. It's translated ordinance. That's what it means. It's an ordinance. It actually means to giving up or giving over. Specifically, it says giving over which is done by word of mouth or in writings. A surrender of the city or to the city. And that's what it is. You, This traditions is where you go under the civil law. Civil law is contract law. You make an agreement. You become a part. You say, I want the benefit. Okay, you've got the obligation to pay into it. People say, well, where's the written contract? Your folks sold you for benefits. And when you got of age, you continued to use that ID, that product number, that merchandise number in order to get jobs. Okay, you didn't know. I understand. But the way to salvation is to seek the kingdom. It's the whole way in which you... The bondage you're now in is a product of our blindness. But if you're going to tell me, oh, I see, your sin remains. What you have to do is turn around and do the will of God. Obey His laws by loving one another. Obey His traditions. And then you are not without law. You are not lawless. You're just operating according to different precepts. So, in this Alcoholic Anonymous, they have 12 traditions. And we're going to look at those 12 traditions. We're going to run through them rather quickly. And we're going to correlate. The reason we're picking this, these guys have written this down. And, and for alcoholics, they've been very successful in helping a lot of alcoholics stop being alcoholics. They've kind of become addicted to Alcoholics Anonymous. But these principles of looking to God is a huge step towards the kingdom. Lots of kingdom tracks in Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, there's a lot of people who are very resentful of modern religion, and I can't hardly blame them. It's such, in such an apostate state that, you know, I, I, I understand. I feel their pain. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just like these people who want to be ministers of Christ, and then they throw out the idea that there are ministers. Oh, we're all ministers. We don't need a ministers. We don't need a hierarchy. And, of course, they think when you say hierarchy, they think H-I-G-H-E-R. And it's not that kind of hierarchy. But Jesus is clearly saying those who are to be chiefest amongst you are to be servants to all, to be as the younger. 
that's the nature of the hierarchy, and it's not higher, H-I-G, it's hierarchies. And what that means is when you give to them as a minister, it's not the states anymore. It belongs to this church established by Jesus Christ, except for most of the churches are established by the state of da-da-da-da. They're all incorporated churches. They've all gone under the bishops of the IRS because they applied with their 1023s, something the IRS said they didn't have to do. But they've done that. That's a done deal, and we can show you ways around that, but or out of that quagmire, you're off the path. But the critical thing is to follow the traditions of Christ. And we'll talk about that when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And we're talking about the traditions of God, the traditions of Christ, the traditions of the early church, and the traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> uh, they, they saw a problem with addiction, and they wanted to do something about it. And they prayed about it, and they wondered about it, and they saw certain principles, uh, and they put them down on paper, and they helped people figure out what they could do about their addiction. And some of the ideas they came up with show signs of what we call kingdom tracks. So we were going to look at these. Now remember that when they talk about the traditions of the Pharisees that makes the word of God to none effect, they're talking about the rituals. Rituals are what they do, the body of precepts, how they operate. You know, the commander-in-chief of the United States government has rituals, pops, and ceremonies, things that they do. And to tell you the truth, the idea that he's not supposed to be able to declare war, except through Congress, is part of their rituals. It's part of their ordinances. It's part of their traditions. Now, they can change those traditions, and they're supposed to do it according to certain ways, and people say, oh, they're straying from the Constitution. Actually, they're not really straying from the Constitution. You've got something else going on. Your power to contract has put you into administrative rule. You weren't even a party to the Constitution originally. If you read Contracts, Covenants, and Constitutions, this is well settled. You're a party to it now, but what kind of a party? You're corporate party. You're a subject party. You have entered into a different kind of relations. You did not retain your rights. You've got lots of benefits, but the greatest destroyers of freedom are the granters of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And that's what's happened. What should have been for your welfare has become a snare, and you've become merchandise, and you are all in debt. You are all in debt. And now you want Christ to come and pay that debt again. He has to die again to pay that debt again. I mean, you've got, you're, going, you're not doing what he said. You're not keeping the commandment about the Sabbath. You're, you're not working six days and earning your rest. You've gone into debt. That's the reverse of the Sabbath. That's what the Sabbath is about. It's about debt. And the avoidance of it by working the six days and earning your rest. If you're in debt, you haven't kept the Sabbath. I don't care what day you meet on, you haven't kept the Sabbath. Debt is bondage. 
God doesn't want you to be in debt. But you seem to be determined. <laughs> because you love your benefits. Like the fellow who said, oh, I don't like capitalism. I love socialism. I don't mind putting my neighbor's children in debt forever and ever. He's a pig. I didn't name him, so, you know, I, I have to speak bluntly. He's a pig. He cares about himself more than he cares about his neighbor. He wants to live in New Zealand because they will take care of his teeth. He doesn't want private ownership of property. He doesn't mind that the kids are going into debt the moment they're registered. And that debt is growing and growing and growing. And it's making society weak. And it's all about coveting your neighbor's goods, the agency of government. He doesn't see any of that. He doesn't care. I just want my teeth fixed. I just want my benefits. You won't forgive them their debt and say, you don't have to fix my teeth. I'm going to do it myself or I'm going to have them pulled. Or I'll pull them myself. I actually know a guy who pulled his own teeth. He didn't want to pay for a dentist. He he was, he was could have had the government pay, but he didn't want to do that. He pulled his own teeth. Rather than cause a burden to his family. Went down into the basement and, and got a pliers and pulled them out. They were all rotten and falling apart. He was pretty old. Guts. I'm not recommending that, but that's that's more kingdom in his heart because he didn't want to be a burden to other people. He took care of it himself. You also have to have the humility to go to one another and say, you know, I need help. I need help. That's good because you now you know you can't do it all yourself. That, that's pride to think that you can't. So anyway, in their traditions, they say, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Think about others. Common welfare. Not person, your welfare, but common welfare. In other words, if your buddy is having trouble and he's, he's being tempted to go back into alcohol and he calls you up, stay on the line. Be there for him. Stop thinking about yourself alone. Say, that's kingdom. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Number two, for our group purposes, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he w may express himself in our group consciousness or conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Boy, is that kingdom or what? Now, he uses the word do not govern. And, of course, they said that Jesus was going to govern and rule. But the word govern there was the word to take account, to be responsible for each other. We're all kings and we're all responsible for ourselves and we're all just going to run off to the desert and do our own darn thing. That's not kingdom. You be accounting for one another. Like I say, the kingdom of God is the buddy system times ten. And you have a minister who counts to ten. Your minister has to know how to count to ten. That's one of the prerequisites for being a minister at his holy church. <laughs> I'm being facetious here. But the point is, he's a man of account. He's going to have to keep track of those who pick him as a minister. Whether you're a PCM or MOR. PCM is a personal contact minister. He's just a guy that connects you on the network. He's not really a minister of the church, but he's starting to learn what that means. 
and an MOR as a minister of record. He's actually gone and they've created a congregation, a free congregation, a free assembly, and they are actually starting to learn what it means to be a church by taking care of one another in time of need. Any need. And helping and training one another so that that need is not great beforehand. They are public servants. They are not governors. They are not rulers. They are not a higher H-I-G-H-E-R-archy. They are a hierarchy of servants. They have inherited a responsibility to take care of one another. They're not those scattered farm flocks we talked about earlier. Number three, the only requirement... The only requirement for AA membership is a desire to stop drinking. Okay. People say, well, what do I have to do to become a part of His Holy Church? You have to stop coveting your neighbor's goods. Now, does that mean you have to stop taking Social Security? Well, eventually, yes. But remember back to those rules that you had to prepare for that. That's not just going to happen overnight. We'll have old ladies starving to death everywhere. So how do you prepare? You come together and create that network of assistance, of helping one another. And it's going to get harder and harder and harder because the socialists are going to make war on you. They're going to persecute you. And most of them are going to think that they're Christians while they're doing it. And they're going to use goofy misinterpretations like Romans 13, which is why I had to write a whole book on one verse. <laughs> whole book, one verse. To get it through their thick heads that God wants you to be free men under Him. That liberty is a blessing given to you by God. The power of choice is yours. And nobody has a right to take that away. Unless you give it away or sell it. So, the only requirement is that you want to repent. Give up your addiction. Turn around and go the other way. That's that's our requirement. You're addicted to sin. You're addicted to coveting one another's goods. Start that. I mean, many of you have had multiple wives and husbands. Many of you have uh, abandoned your responsibility. You've hurt people. You've been selfish. You've been impatient. Okay, okay. That's your individual salvation, but you're going to have to start caring about others. And in that caring, you're on the road back to the Father. That means coming together. Which is why in their fourth tradition that says, each group should be autonomous, except in matters uh, affecting other groups as a whole. That's exactly what we do. The congregations, every congregation is autonomous. As a matter of fact, everyone in the congregation is autonomous. Because they never give up their rights. They still have the right to choose. Do I give today? No. Do I give tomorrow? Yes. Do I give to this minister? Yeah, he's doing a good job. Do I give to this minister? No, he's not doing a good job. I'm going to look for another minister. You work that out. But you have a group that gathers. And it's autonomous and you're autonomous. Even when we get up into ministers who have to fulfill the whole commands of Christ, which we explain in the Free Church Report, each of those congregations of ministers is autonomous. 
That's kingdom tracks there. Now, I was put onto this by somebody who was reading our stuff and also was in AA, and he was noticing the similarities. And when I went to Wikipedia and looked this up, I'm noticing the similarities too. Because it's precept upon precept. So how are we going to apply those in everyday life and everyday addiction, which is an addiction to sin, that is one of the most predominant sins, which leads to, you know, murder and mayhem, you know, where you're going to, where you're going to kill 500,000 people in a country like Iraq, innocent citizens, civilians, 500,000 killed in the first war. Due to the war and sanctions, you know, I was always amazed at this statistic. World War One, three percent of the people who died in World War One were civilians. Three percent were civilians, and they were shelling, you know, and all that stuff. But three percent were civilians. How many civilians died in World War Two? What was the percentage? Three percent World War One. What is it? Ten percent? No. Twenty percent? No. 25. 30%. No. Well, 50%? No. 67% of the people who died in World War II were civilians. Why was that? Bombing and artillery. Was that the Germans, those rotten Germans? Yeah, they killed a lot of people. A lot of civilians died. But nobody bombed like we bombed. (laughs) We bombed whole cities out of existence. Where people died because there wasn't any more oxygen in the cities. Because the fires had burned it all up. And they simply died of asphyxiation. We were good at bombing. Very good at bombing. 67% of the deaths in World War II were civilians. How many... Civilians died in Vietnam during that Vietnam, you know, two million. Two million. Actually, it was more than that. I can't remember the exact figure. It was millions. Died in that little tiny nothing country. Most of them died in South Vietnam. So you could say, well, that was the enemy. No. No, that was us. You can you can go online and watch us napalming house after farmhouse after farmhouse. Just going along, dropping napalm, boom. Another one, boom. Another one, boom. Was it Bayo who was in a movie about the German pilot who was a U.S. pilot? He was German. He was originally from Germany. And uh, he was captured and eventually escaped and everything. At the beginning of that movie, they show actual footage and they're just flying over farmhouses, one after another. Big two-story farmhouses where this is a community farmhouse. And it's not really a community. It's family. Uh, and they were just dropping the napalm on these green farms, one after another. That's war on civilians. That's war crime. And we're seeing it at the beginning of the movie. But we're just oblivious to it. We just don't see it. And then you see them dropping Agent Orange. Go look for the footage of them dropping Agent Orange. They're right over rice paddies. They're not defoliating the jungle so they can spot, spot the enemy. They're defoliating the rice paddies. That's uh, that's a war crime. I mean, during World War II, they were going to do that to Japan. 
that's why Agent Orange was invented by the United States government as a defoliant to destroy crops. But then the government said, oh, we can't do that because that would be a war crime. And they decided not to do that because that's war on the population. That's not against the army. You're actually warring on the population. So in World War II, we decided not to do that. But the Vietnam War, they did it. And, and you have footage. It's not a secret. It's just outside of your thinking. But you can see it. I mean, they have films, hours of films of guys flying over dumping this stuff which caused a rise of over 300% birth defects in Vietnam and cancers that they're still dying from of course our own soldiers are dying from and they make their instruments of war why? because the voice of the people said let's have a ruler who can exercise authority and that's you, that's your you did that, but anyway back to these precepts where we won't get through them all each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the sinner it says alcoholic who still suffers we're supposed to carry the message of repentance to others and what better message is to show them that we can actually take care of one another through faith, hope and charity now we laid out some of the legal aspects of this in the books but you have to lay out the reality in your hearts and your minds. And it's going to take huge sacrifices. Why did starvation end in the colonies? Because of the moving from the socialist state, which they tried to start from each according to his ability to each according to his need, to a capitalist society where whatever you produce is yours. Whatever you, you know, your cow is yours, your land is yours, everything is yours. And starvation ended. Ended. And they tell you that right there in their own writings at the time. They were astonished. Happened in both colonies at the same time. Jamestown and the and the Plymouth. Same time. They figured it out. And it worked instantly. Did everybody produce enough? No. But those who didn't produce enough got helped out. But they had to take charity. And some of them said, you know... I'm not going to let this happen again. I was humiliated by charity. Today, everybody thinks charity is owned to them. You live in the zombie apocalypse right now. And most of these people are not going to wake up. They're dead already. I pray that they wake up. Can we raise the dead? I hope we can. But many will not. And they will come after you to kill you when they discover that you have discovered them to be the piggish zombies that they have become. But I tell you, you will need the grace of God at that time. And right now, you don't have it coming to you. At least not the grace of God. You have it coming to you, but that's another matter. Anyway, God wants to forgive you, but if you don't forgive, if you don't turn around, if you don't repent, He can't, he can't save you. He will not even hear you. He says that over and over again. You're not saved. Because you said some words back in 1985, 86. An AA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the AA name to any related facility outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and uh, prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 
So how does that relate to the church? How do we in, translate that over into what the church is supposed to do as a principle and a precept? And this is a good exercise to think in these terms. To lend the name. What, what does it say in the Bible about taking the name of the Lord in vain? Since everything in the church is based on two or more witnesses, because that's how we establish all things, because that's what Christ said, that's what Moses said, that's what, way back to Abraham's time, two or more witnesses. Do things before witnesses. That's, uh, even the governments do that. You've got to have witnesses. Because Christ was a government, so then he said you have to have witnesses. So, somebody starts a church, we give them power in the world but not being of the world because we who are not of the world recognize that they are with us if they are not with us we just don't recognize them we don't go out and try to persecute them or or stop them or anything like that like we see Ambrose doing way back there when Constantine started his church but we recognize one another And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. Now, are the churches for Christ? Are they teaching the people to not covet, to keep the commandments, to walk in faith? Or are they saying, Oh, just come to our church, tied to us, but if you need any real help, go to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. I bear witness that they are not the church. They can go do their own thing, but they are not doing Christ's thing. They are not making straight the way of the Lord. They are the synagogue of the adversary. And they are taking Jesus' name in vain. And I say that because I see that. If that's not true, repent and show me different. Number seven, every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. There you go. That's what each congregation should be doing. Declining outside contributions. I, I get people who write and says, "Oh, I want to give to the church. Who do I give to?" Uh, there's trouble over here. I want to give to that church. Well, if it's a big disaster, they're going to need help, and they're going to have to accept that. But generally speaking, they want to be self-supporting. And if you're not self-supporting when there is no disaster, then when disaster come upon you, why should we support you? In other words, if you cannot form a viable congregation and stick to it, your minister move across country, are you sticking with each other? Are you getting saying, we have to pick another minister, we have to keep this congregation alive and well, because that's what Christ said, to come together and, and to love one another. And I want to do that, and I can't do that unless we come together. And even though we're spread out, I want to come together with somebody. And you guys have seen some of this, so let's try to come together, pick a new minister, and get our act together. Nah, I'm, 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 I'm too busy. No, I got, I got other things I got to do. Oh yeah, what, whatever. 
and then disaster strikes and you say, oh, well, people come and help me. Uh, I didn't keep a congregation together. I didn't take the extra time to do that. But I, I want them to come and help me because uh, this bad thing happened to me. And meanwhile, I'm going to apply to all these other people too and the, and the benefactors who exercise authority and because uh, I don't want to spend any of my money because I don't want any real loss. I want to have, I don't mind if other people pay for it. So I want to apply to the FEMA of the world instead of the FEMA of Christ that operates by faith, hope, and charity. I got a real problem with that. I mean, if I don't say something about that, I don't love the guy. You need to repent. You need to carry your own weight. You you need to pay your own way as much as possible. You don't want outside help. And there's nothing more outside than to pray to the men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority one over the other. That's That's the way it works. So anyway, we only got to number seven, but uh, maybe we'll take this up in the next show and uh, and and look at this because I got several quotes on that, and we'll finish this up, and then I got some really good stuff to go on to after that, if we can make it there. So until then, peace on your house. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory and we're talking about the Kingdom of God. We're talking about our addiction to sin. And what sin are we talking about? We're talking about the sin of coveting thy neighbor's goods. And how do we do that? Well, we desire men who call themselves benefactors to go to our neighbor's house and take from our neighbor enough resources to supply us with benefits. It's called socialism. It's called progressivism. It's called communism. It's called having one purse. It is called a sin. It is called an abomination. And that's what all these so-called vain 
name-taking Christians are doing today and saying that it's okay because of Romans 13. That is a lie. So I wrote a whole book on it. At the higher liberty. Go read it. And then weep and repent and seek the kingdom of God. So anyway, we're talking about the other traditions of men who create socialist programs. And you know, you got to admit, I mean, it's it's not rocket science. I mean, you can see people's their eyes just blur over when you point out that you're worried about health care. You know, this new Obamacare. Those of you who are feeling the pinch of socialism, and most of you that are feeling, I don't know about most, but a lot of you who are feeling the pinch of socialism with uh, Obamacare are all worked up about it. And, uh, you know, the Amish are exempt. Because they already have a system in place. And if you were real Christians, you would have a system in place too. And it would call, be called Christianity. And the churches don't have to worry about losing their 501c3 status. Because none of them have a 501c3 status that can be taken away. They're churches. It's the ones that went and filed that can have that recognition taken away. Because they wanted to have the recognition of men. Who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. And you don't need that. And even they tell you you don't need that. But you go and get it anyway. You go and apply to them and say, Will you be the overseer of my church? And yeah, we'll give you a letter of determination. But you're going to have to do things like we say. Because now you're going to be strictly regulated. That's their words. They say the disadvantages, they say in their publications, they say the disadvantages of filing... A 1023 with the IRS is that you will become strictly regulated. And then these churches are saying, you don't have a right to strictly regulate us. They told you that was going to be the result of that. Didn't you read it? Oh, I didn't read it. Was I supposed to read something? Yeah, you were supposed to read something. You're supposed to pay attention. You didn't even read the Bible. Oh, I read the Bible. No, you didn't read the Bible. You interpreted the Bible privately according to what you wanted it to say. People do that all the time. And now you're in hot water. And you're going to have to admit it. You're going to have to admit, I screwed up. I made a mistake. I was in error. And now I repent of that error. Now what do I do? Well, we'll show you. But I'm not going to waste time on pigs. You got to be turning around and seeking the kingdom of God. You you show me your 501c3 incorporated churches actually starting to care about one another as much as you care about yourselves. Where you're actually saying... Let's see if we can help every single widow in this community. Everybody who falls on hard times, we're going to see if we can help them in ways that will strengthen them. And actually, I, to be honest with you, I see churches starting to do this. But I'm after those that aren't starting to do this. And those that are starting to do this, I'm showing you how far this has to go. Because eventually, you don't want to just get everybody off of welfare in your church you want to get them to stop seeking Social Security from men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority because you as the church have become the benefactors of the people who don't exercise authority but operate by the perfect law of liberty through faith, hope, and charity in a national and international network of people who care about one another as much as they care about themselves. This is so simple. 
It's embarrassing. I have to explain it over and over again. <laughs> if you're not doing that, you're not the church established by Jesus Christ. Do you get that? If you're not doing that, you're not saved. Because you haven't forgiven your neighbor. You're going to say, I paid in, you have to pay in. For me. And if you're making people in your congregation have to say that or starve, then you're not attending to the daily ministration. You're not practicing pure religion. You don't know Christ. And you need to turn around and start finding out who Christ really was. And start being Christians as they were meant to be. Not those who take His name in vain. Who are workers of iniquity. Who have delivered the whole world back into the bondage of Egypt. You don't want to be that. You want to be something different. So you got to repent. So the last time we were talking about these traditions of Alcoholics Anonymous and correlating them with Sinners Anonymous, trying to get off of this addiction to sin, this addiction to coveting our neighbor's goods through the agency of government, this socialist idea that it's okay to take from one class of citizens and give to another. We are addicted to that idea being true and that is absolutely unchrist and false. Any more than Moses had the right to use his staff to smack the stone, you don't have the right to smack your neighbor to get him to contribute to your welfare. You're going to have to forgive your, the selfishness of your neighbor, even if you have to pull your own teeth out. You're going to have to start taking care of yourself. If you won't, you don't have any property rights. You don't have any right to own anything. You don't own your children. and You ought to be in bondage because the slothful should be under tribute. That's what the Bible says. So don't bother throwing away your social security number or your driver's license and pretending that you're in the kingdom unless you are gathering together with other people to take care of the daily ministration. And if you're not, you're a hypocrite. And you're a foolish virgin. And the door is going to be slammed in your face. And all that you've done is going to be for naught. And I'm telling you because I love you. And I want you to understand that. Because I don't want your blood on my hands. Because I, was, I was, didn't want to offend you. I didn't, I didn't want to upset you. I didn't want to make you mad. You might not tithe to me. You know, you might leave my church. I don't care. You're not in it anyway. Because you're not doing what Christ said. And that's my church. It isn't a corporate body of me. It's a corporate body of Christ. It's doing what Christ said. He said it. You're a worker of iniquity. You're a foolish virgin. Unless you're gathering together to become the social welfare of your society based on faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. If you're not doing that, you ain't doing Christ. So gather together. Join us at His Holy Church. Start finding other people. I mean, we're not, we're not binding you by contract. We're just, we're just giving witness to the fact that you are free assemblies that are seeking the ways of Christ. And we'll show you the, the way to do this in this fenced field. Because, you know, there's coming an earthquake. 
a shaking of the planet, of the whole world. You can, you can think about your Nibirus and your polar shifts and all that. I'm talking spiritually here. And of course, things that happen in the spiritual realm happen in the physical realm too. But let's talk about the spiritual realm. All these walls are coming down. All these fences are coming down. The fences that keep out the evil and the fences that keep you away from the good. And everybody's going to get a chance to decide what flock they want to be a part of. Do you want to be a part of the flock of God? Or do you want to be the flock that goes over the cliff? You decide. It's your choice. I believe in free choice. So what are you choosing? Life or death? It's up to you. So anyway, we were going over these traditions. And your traditions have been making the word of God to none effect. And so we want to have the traditions of Christ. In other words, you want to have the Corbin of Christ. Therefore, you want to have pure religion that takes care of the needy through faith, hope, and charity. And so we were going over these traditions of AA and showing how they correspond to their traditions of Christ. And the last one we had was every AA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. So, if you could just take care of the widows and orphans who are already on Social Security, great. If you could give enough contributions that you could replace their Social Security checks. Say they get a Social Security check of $1,300. Okay, can you as a congregation, replace that? Probably not. But can you replace that which it provides and provide for that individual so that they do not have to go and get that Social Security check? And you say, well, wait a minute, they're entitled to that. They paid into it. They paid into it to take care of the needy in their day. If you're going to turn it into a debt, then you will remain in bondage. Until you forgive that debt of what they, they, the benefactors who exercise authority, owe you, then neither will your father forgive you. You have to forgive their debt so that he can come and provide for you. If you already got the gods of the world providing for you, why would the God of heaven hear your voice? And how do the gods of the world provide for you? They take away from your neighbor. How does God provide to you? Out of his infinite abundance. When you start thinking in these terms, the whole gospel comes alive. He's actually talking about the real world that you live in. And that you interact in. And he's expecting you to do it a certain way. And that's why the Christianity was called the way. It's a different way. And that's why so many people have tried to distort the truth of his gospel. Superstition, you know, changing bread and changing wine into something else. And the same as they did with the Pharisees. Oh, we're supposed to kill sheep and set them on fire on top of rocks. And we show you in the book, Thy Kingdom Come, that those, those stones were people. Those sheep were sacrifices, but and they were consumed. They were freely given offerings to take care of the needy of their society. 
wasn't they weren't blowing smoke. They were practical people. And they did this so they didn't have to go to benefactors who ruled in places like Sodom and Gomorrah, which is where you guys live today. So after that number seven of declining outside contributions, you're so addicted. I don't know if you can go cold turkey, but you better start heading in the direction of the kingdom because you're going to go cold turkey because they're going to demand your tally of bricks and they're not going to give you any benefits at all. Not to amount to anything once you get runaway inflation. It's not going to amount to anything. Self-supporting. Luke 8. And it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village preaching and showing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God that was at hand, you know, folks. And the twelve men, the twelve were with him. Twelve. Why twelve? Because these are the ministers that he was appointing over his congregation of ministers. And a certain woman, which had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalena, out of whom went even seven devils. And that's another whole story of what that really was. But here's the critical line. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. Remember in the epistles where Paul says, though he was rich, he made himself poor? Christ did that, and we could explain all that, but we won't get this show done if we do. Uh, why he said that? Because Christ was actually very rich, extremely rich, extremely rich family. But he gave that all up to be this minister after John the Baptist, who was a Levite and minister of the gospel of the kingdom. And he gave it up to become one of John the Baptist's ministers. And that's why John says, this is the one who is to follow after me. He's to be the, my replacement minister. This is the one I think you should trust. Because, I mean, this guy is way better than me. It wasn't until later that John realized, are you the one, the Messiah, priest and king? You see, Christ wasn't born a Levite. He was by adoption. His father was dead. His cousin, who was older, said, you know, he, he he could become a Levite by adoption. This happened all the time throughout the, the Testaments. So Christ was a priest, a rabbi. He's called a rabbi. And he's, he's gathering a flock of ministers who were his students. That's what he was doing. And who was John the Baptist? His, his dad was in the Holy of Holies. His dad... And now John is literally the high priest of those who are following the way of faith, hope, and charity, and free will offerings. This is what's going on. But then John says, are you, are you going to be the king too? He has to send messengers to ask that question. He didn't understand at the beginning. But he was beginning to realize it. Jesus wouldn't even answer. Because he knew that Jesus was going to be king because you accepted him as king. And thousands did. Somebody said the other day to one of our ministers talking about Pentecost. He says, oh, you mean those few thousand Jews? Because they think that the kingdom has been postponed. What an abomination of an idea. Postponed. What they, I forgot what they even call that. Something uh, postponement theology or something. I can't even remember. It escapes me right now what they call it. But he says... Uh, 
Oh, you mean those uh, those few thousand who were converted at uh, Pentecost? There's 3,000 one day, 5,000 the next, and we're talking families. So right there, that's 8,000 families. How many thousands do you want every day? In one city alone. I mean, within a few short years, the Christians were so predominant that when Rome burned, that they wanted to blame it all on them. Thousands and thousands and thousands, all the way to Ephesus, they're saying these are the ones that say there is another king. Everybody knew that he was a king. They knew it. The only one who doesn't know it is the modern Christians. And they don't think he's a king. He's been postponed because we're going to go to the men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority one over the other and take from our neighbor so that we can have benefits. And you think you're following or believe in Christ? You don't even believe he's the Christ. What does the Christ mean? Anointed. Why do they call him anointed? Because David was anointed. David was called Messiah. Messiah. Anointed. Christ was called anointed. He was the king, for gosh sakes, of a government. Even Rome says he's the king. This is the king of Judea. This is the king of Judea. This is the king of Judea. He's seen in the royal treasury telling the ministers what they can do and can't do. He's firing the porters of the temple, the money changers. He's doing everything the king is supposed to do. Why haven't you figured out yet that he was the king? But how was his kingdom supported? Through free will offerings. Instead of statutory requirements of a government gone mad. It's Joanna chooses Herod's steward. In other words, the treasurer. I mean, for God's sakes, Paul's talking to the treasurer of Corinth. Saying, you guys ought to do it this way. You ought to do it through free will offerings. And the Corinthians, who once were a great people, are starting to think, you know, yeah, we've gone the wrong way on this. We aren't our walls anymore. We've become socialists, too. So when did the United States become a socialist nation? With Obamacare? You can go back to 1800s. We were already starting socialism back then. We're the public schools. Public schools is a socialist program. Federal Reserve, that's a socialist money system. 1913, 1916, 1933, Social Security. That's socialism. It's just getting too much to swallow. It's going to get stuck in your throat. Sweet in the mouth and sour in the belly. Number eight. We have the same thing. That's amazing. The ministers of Christ are not professionals. They don't get a salary. They come together in small groups of brothers and work in a body we call an order, but that's just a congregation of ministers. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not simply congregations. It's a kingdom. Composed of congregations. And congregations are free assemblies composed of families. And those families have a priest and king in each one of those families called husband and wife. And if a husband dies or neglects his responsibility, then though his widow indeed or widow by neglect should be able to go to the church. 
But if you're not already going to the church before you have a need, then how do we know that you really aren't one of those pigs that we're not to cast our pearls before? How do we know you haven't been working at the kingdom and he who does not work should not receive? Now, we may choose to give to you anyway, but don't count on it. Because you didn't even bother to gather together in his name. Now, you guys who gather together and say his name with your mouth, but do not live his ways with your life, don't tell me you're a Christian. Because I don't believe it. You tell me, but show me. Because I don't see it. And if Christ was in you, I would see you doing it. Now, I admit that amongst every single church out there, there's probably at least one Christian. Because <laughs> most of them can't even survive without a couple of Christians doing all the work. The others just go to show up and feel good. But the, the ones who do the work, they might be Christians. Because that's the union and discipline of Christianity amazed even the emperors themselves. And that's why long before Constantine, the emperors were giving back property that had been improperly taken from the church because the church had all kinds of property. They had that property to do the job, to feed their ministers and to feed the people and to be refuges for the people when there was wars and famines and what have you. That was a job. That's a government job. They were the FEMA of Christ. The faith emergency ministry auxiliary of Christ, operating by faith, open church, and you can see it that there's there's charitable groups all over the world that are starting to operate this way, but they need to operate this way according to Christ entirely. And so, even though they have taken some of these steps, we would like to gather together with the people of that same spirit and start doing the work of Christ in a real way and set the example of Christ. And we have ways in which to do that. Instruments that operate in the world, but not of it. Instruments that can help us interact with the world. In all those institutions, we though, we preach the kingdom. We publish the kingdom. The word preach there means to actually make a record. And that's what we're doing with Friends of His Church and His Church and His Holy Church. These are entities that are created according to what the early church was doing which the modern church is not doing and needs to repent and start doing. It also says that their organization ought never be organized. Now, that's interesting. The word organized has a number of different meanings. And a lot of people are very much against the idea of organizing. But we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. But they say never be organized. Well, they're talking about organized and becoming an organ, a corporation of, you know, these, where it becomes this body. And, of course, his church are free assemblies. They're not organized in that sense. But they are organized in the same way that a father counts his sons. He's taking account. He's saying, hey, you know, uh, we got, I mean, they do this all the time in AA. You know, you've got this buddy system going on within their little group, but you have this overall group that keeps track of the individual buddy groups. This is the way they organize the buddy system times ten. They they do this why? Because it makes sense. 
What do you think? The gospel doesn't make sense? You're addicted to sin. How are you going to stop without gathering together? Because you're going to need Christ. And where do you find Christ? You find Him in the hearts and minds of those who walk in His ways. But you've been gathering with ministers who don't know Christ, that are workers of iniquity, and they've taken you back to bondage, so that you say, I want my teeth fixed, and I don't care how much your children go into debt. I don't care how much power you give these men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority. I just want my teeth fixed. I just want my health care. I just want my free education. I just want my Social Security check so I can go play golf. Well, you're not going to get on God's greens when you die. Because you don't know Him. You're a worker of iniquity. Organized from the bottom up, this is what they, you need to do. You're organized, but like those sheep in the field we were talking about in the previous show. They gather together and nobody's tied them together, but they're organized. They're organized in little groups that gather together in a bigger group out there in the field. And those of you who didn't hear the earlier show out here at his church in Oregon, we have sheep ranging. You, know, you can go to our front gate right now. It's wide open. Sheep are in the field. They don't leave. You can't do that with farm flocks who've been fenced for generation after generation after generation. They'd just, they'd be going out the gate and going everywhere. They'd be going everywhere. The farm flocks. Because they don't know how to be free sheep. And you don't know how to be a free people. Because you won't organize yourselves from the bottom up. Yeah. Each, his church is a free assembly. It's independent. Each family within that remains totally independent within that free assembly. They're not organized in that sense. But they are organized in the sense that they know enough to come together. Otherwise, the gray wolf will eat them up. You're organized from the bottom up. And why do you do that? Why would you do that? Because you love one another. Isn't that amazing? You love one another. But you're gathered together in the elements of the world, which is why Galatians says in 4.3, Even so... When we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Elements is defined as any first thing. It's uh, elements, rudiments, primary, and that's how you're bound, is by these adhesion contracts that you applied for in order to become members of this social welfare system. Galatians 4.9 But now, after that, ye have known God, or rather are known of God. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements of that world, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage by applying for the gifts, gratuities, and benefits of men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. It's so simple. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceits after the traditions, those systems of Corbin, of men, after the rudiments of the world, the constitutional orders and systems of government, and not after Christ, who operates by faith, hope, and charity alone. There are no socialists in heaven. None. 
there are absolutely none. Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, that the world's rudiments and elements are the same, and the word world there means constitutional order or system of governments, as though living in the world, are ye now subject to ordinances? Why are you subject? Because you're really not doing what Christ. You're not dead in Christ. You're not alive in His ways. And that's what we're trying to show you, how to become alive. And that's what we're going to be showing you in the next half hour. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory. And again, we're talking about the Kingdom of God. We're talking about the traditions of Christ and the traditions of the world and the traditions of a lot of other people. Someone just sent me something um, and it's quoting, it looks like it's out of a book or something. Uh, it's a definition of salvation. Salvation is a free gift without any works whatsoever. And then they quote Ephesians uh, 2, 8, 9. And of course it is, even if you don't do any works at all, you can have salvation, but how do you know you have it? Uh, because Christ died that you might be saved, but you may not qualify. And you say, well, I've repented and I believe in Jesus Christ. But anybody could say that. Liars say it all the time. So that doesn't make it so. You, it is, you cannot do enough works to be saved. Got it? Write it down. But if you're not doing the works of Christ, then I question whether you've been saved. Because if you have received Christ, you would do as Christ said. And that's why Christ says, not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who doeth the will of the Father. So works are evidence of your salvation. If there are no works, then there is no salvation. You can bet your bottom dollar on that. And so we have to stop everybody who keeps emphasizing that you don't need any works to be saved are just trying to pad their pews with people who will give them something. And they make big, huge churches that everybody goes to and they sing and they raise their hands and they wave them in the air. But they aren't doing what Christ said. And he said very clearly that he was going to tell them, you workers of iniquity. And why did he say these are the workers of iniquity? And the other ones who didn't even know they were Christians, he says, you come into my kingdom. What was he using as a criteria of that choice when he rejected one group and accepted another? He used what they were doing, the works, as the criteria of his choice, which is why in Revelation it says you will be judged according to your works. Not because you did enough, but because you were doing what Christ said. You gave drink to me when I was thirsty. We don't even remember doing that. When you gave it to one of my little ones, it was counted as if you gave it to me. That's his plan. The guys who say, oh, you don't need to do anything, you're just saved, just believe this, and then go out with a big smile on your face and, and be happy because you're saved. And all those guys who thought they were going to be saved and thought they were doing things in His name. Look, we got 10,000 people to come to this stadium and they all came up for an altar call and, 
And look at that. Isn't that great, Jesus? Get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. Because you seduced all these people into the thinking they were saved when they didn't even know what they were supposed to do. And they did not do it when they went home. And they continued to go to the men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority. They continued to rob widows and orphans. I had people who think they're Christians voting for an increase and a continuation of inheritance tax. Nothing robs widows and orphans more than inheritance tax. And there they are voting for it, saying, yeah, we're saved, but we're voting so that the benefactors who exercise authority can take more from the widows and orphans so I can get my teeth fixed in New Zealand. <laughs> you are condemned out of your own mouth. You don't know it because you're one of the zombies of the apocalypse. And I'm telling you, repent. Make straight the way of the Lord. Start going the other way. This definition goes on. To, I'd love to know what book this abomination came out of. Salvation is not dependent upon walking the aisle, joining the church, being baptized, turning over a new leaf, repenting of your sins. Not. You don't have to repent. Turning from your sins, forsaking your sins, confessing your sins, asking for forgiveness of your sins, or inviting Christ into your heart. Forgiveness is available to all who believe that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again, and that God forgave us for Christ's sake. He died that ye might be saved. If you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. Christ said that. You guys are making this up. <laughs> Salvation is trusting completely in what Christ did on our behalf on Calvary. And while you're doing that, you get to pray to men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority to provide for you in your old age. Even though you've got five sons who could do it for you, you want men to go out and take from your neighbor because all that you contributed was just paying into your own welfare and you want it back because you never were giving to real charity. You hypocrite. And I'm going to send a, a, a copy of this recording to the guy who sent this to me, who I've known for a long time. And he's really a pretty good guy. But he is falling for this false religianity of the modern church that has deceived the whole world and brought them back into the bondage of Egypt, where God said you were never, ever to go to again. And you have forsaken the salvation of Christ. You have forsaken the kingdom that was at hand and gone whoring after other gods and gone under them because you have applied to them, prayed to them for benefits at the expense of your neighbor. We don't homeschool just because it's a better way to get an education. We do it because we don't covet our neighbor's goods. We aren't socialists. And we aren't social securityists either. We're not looking for social security. We're looking to Christ. 
and His salvation and His way. Because all the early church, when they got baptized, they repented and got baptized. They repented from the sin of coveting their neighbor's goods through the Corbin of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect because Christ said so. Were they saved automatically because they did that? No. They had to actually walk the walk. They couldn't walk the walk without Christ in them. You are not saved because you say the magic words. And that is a distortion of the gospel of Paul. Because Paul says over and over again, he hasn't even done away with the law. God forbid. But you, you cannot produce your own salvation with your cleverness. You have to really repent and receive Christ in you. If you can't do that here, heaven will be held to you when you get there. Because the character of those who follow Christ is Christ. Those who receive the salvation of Christ. Why did so many people touch Christ and not be saved? Not be healed? But only certain ones were healed. Because they had real faith. Real faith. True faith. And people have to stop preaching this false gospel. Because it's lulled people into destruction. It's bringing the whole world into destruction. And you can't stop it. But you can decide what part of the equation you want to be on. What side? Christ's side or the other side? Moses gave you that choice. Hey, you guys can go that way or you can go this way. The way of God. And those that decided not to go the way of God, well, they were blotted out. If you don't want to go the way of Christ, then you haven't received Christ. And you haven't received His salvation. You only receive His salvation when you really accept who Christ was in your heart and in your mind. And if you can't do that, then repeating magic words aren't, isn't going to do it either. But anyway, we won't finish our topic for today if I don't get back to our topic for today. But I had to take that little sidetrack. We were reading uh, Colossians 2.20, wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ, if ye be dead with Christ, if ye be dead with Christ, from the rudiments, the elements, same word, of the world, what world? The constitutional order or system of government. That's what there says that means. Because there's five different words that are translated into world. Why, as though living in the world, which we can do, we can live in the world, but not of it, are ye subject to ordinances? Why? Because you've been applying to them for benefits. That's why. Because you sold your children for for deductions and benefits and free education and free social security and free health care. And you're complaining that the men, the voice of the people now say, oh, it's too much now. We elected these men who could exercise authority, but now it's too much. And we're going to cry out to God to save us. And what did he say? He said, I will not hear you in that day. Oh, but you don't have to worry. You're saved, right? Oh, yeah, right. He's not even going to hear you. 
Now, I know that deep down some of you are actually getting this and starting to turn around, and God will hear you. He'll run out and meet you halfway. But you do have to repent. You do have to repent. <laughs> From the beginning, repent and be baptized. you got to change your ways. And you cannot change them yourself, as we've already gone over, over and over and over again. You have to be changed. You have to be made new. And part of that being made new is to realize that it's wrong to send men out to your neighbor's house to collect for your welfare. Whether it's school or fire departments or police departments, it's wrong. Israel operated by free will offerings from one end to the other. Their courts, everything was free will offerings. They gave a little tiny token in the tax. little tiny token just to like a golden ring when you get married. I give you this ring. With this ring, I thee wed. It's my token. But what really makes you husband and wife is what you do the rest of the week, the rest of the year, the rest of your life. And that took a lot more free will offerings to make the kingdom of God a reality for those people. The Old Testament wasn't that much different than what the New Testament message was. It was really very much the same. Always was. God didn't change his mind. Oh, let's try something different. He says he's the same from the beginning to the end. Let's let's get back to reality. Get your head out of your religious quagmire. Hebrews 5.12 For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again which be the first principles. That word principles, same word as rudiments and elements that we saw in all those other quotes. First elements, rudiments of the oracle of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Just start caring about one another enough so that you don't have to send anybody to the benefactors who exercise. That's huge. That's huge, and, and that's something you have to learn. You guys can't even walk in the kingdom. You're like toddlers crawling around on the floor. But that's okay. You can learn to walk. you got to work at it, though. Strive. That's why Christ said strive. These guys are saying, oh, you don't have to strive. Christ said strive. Oh, no, you don't have to strive. Don't listen to Christ. That's the, that's the gospel of Satan. You want eternal life? You've got to keep the commandments. You can't do it with your own will. That's the essential part of overcoming the addiction to the, the benefits of the world. Is that you cannot do it yourself. It has to be done in you. You have to approach this from a humble standpoint. But if you're not doing, that's evidence that you do not have the faith of God. If you're still praying to the benefactors to exercise authority, you've got more to do. Because you have more to learn. Because you need more Christ in you. Once you have Christ in you, really in you all the way, in every corner, cleaning out your house, cleaning out every corner of your house, then things change. Till then, you're just under a strong delusion. Second Peter 3.10 But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away, and a great noise... And the elements shall melt with a fervent heat, the earth also, and the works, works, 
works that are therein shall be burned up. Now, people think of this as nuclear war and everything. That's the same word elements that we see over here as principles. The principles of the world. In other words, the unrighteous mammon's going to fail. That's why he says, be friends with the unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, and we could explain that later, we're not going to have time right now. You can call me on Blog Talk sometime and we'll explain that shall melt with a fervent heat. What is he talking about? He's not talking... Now, there may be nuclear explosions someday, but that's not what that's talking about. It's the elements of the world that are going to break down and fall apart in a big, traumatic way. And you see it coming. But you're not really walking in the ways of Christ. You haven't really accepted Christ. You're still preaching a gospel that is contrary to what Christ said himself out of his mouth. I mean, what doctrines do you have in his church but his doctrines, what he said? You go and take bits and pieces of Paul and you twist them around and create a whole new religion with it. But you have to shut Christ out in order to do it because Christ said not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do it the will of the Father. And you're saying those who just say these magic words. No, no. Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall dissolve, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. And that may come. But everything that physically comes has a spiritual reality to it. Anyway, number 10. Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, AA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Okay, let's take it back to the church. His church has an opinion about morality. And we may use examples in the world, such as governments around the world, what they're doing, because that's what people are doing, because governments are a composite of people. And we're saying, look, they're, they're socialists, they're coveting their neighbor's goods, they're forcing their neighbor to contribute to their welfare, that's our interest. We're not interested in changing Caesars. We're interested in changing hearts. We're not trying to change other governments, but change our own hearts in relationship with God, and therefore living in the world, but not of the world. And thus, therefore, if the world wants to go those ways, I mean, governments are instituted to punish the wicked. And they're usually instituted by wicked people who have rejected God. The first place you see the voice of the people electing a leader who could exercise authority, God refers to it as a rejection of him. So why can you elect leaders now and it not be a rejection of him? It is a rejection of him. It still is. Same principles. God is the same then, same now. Your election of leaders who can exercise authority, take your sons and daughters, make their instruments of war. All this is covered in Proverbs. I mean, in, uh, in Samuel. It's actually covered in Proverbs, too. You, you face it. You've gone the wrong way. Number 11. Our public relations policy is based on the attraction rather than the promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. They don't want one personality raising up. And on our network, I don't want to be the only personality that everybody keeps looking to. You have to get off of that addiction, too. You have to gather together in your local congregation. I still have people who have local congregations not far from them, and they're calling me. 
And I will take the call as long as I am physically able. And I will try to talk with them. But I encourage them to gather together in your local congregations. If you can't do it there, you don't look to me. I'm not going to be your guru. I'm going to preach the kingdom, make straight the way of the Lord, which refers to works and what you're actually doing. Repent. I mean, these people are saying, you don't even have to repent. You don't have to seek the kingdom. You don't have to strive. All these things Christ said you had to do, but they're saying, oh, you don't have to do any of that. I'm going to take Paul out of context, and all we have to do is say these magic words, and we're saved. They are liars. They have accepted a lie. They're under a strong delusion, and they need to repent. Because they're not doing what Christ said. They're doing what somebody concocted so that they can feel good about the sins they commit every day. You must increase as a witness of Christ. A Christ must increase in you. And if you continue to bear witness, he will grow in you. Like the crops, the seeds. If you don't, you will wither. And you will be doing contrary to the ways of God. And you will be called into account for the works that you do. Number 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. The network is developing a life of its own. The local ministers, stumbling as they do, as we all do, are connecting people who are also stumbling and learning to support one another because they're learning to give up their life so that they may have life more abundant. That is what you all have to do. You have to do it on a local basis. But not forgetting the kingdom. Your ministers should gather with other ministers as much as they possibly can. We have neglected so long there's a lot of overtime required. We have to dedicate ourselves completely to seeking the kingdom, not only for ourselves but for others. We gather together not to save ourselves but to save others because that is the nature of Christ. As many as I love, I also rebuke. So then when you see these people preaching these false gospels, these do-nothing gospels, these not striving, seeking gospels, contrary to what Christ said. He said to have eternal life, you keep the commandments. He's telling you that. And why are the commandments also called signposts? Is because if you're not keeping the commandments, if you're coveting your neighbor's goods, if you're a part of a socialist state, if you're praying for the Corbin of the Pharisees at your social security office, which is what it is. Go read the article on Corbin. Corbin of the Pharisees. Go to hisholychurch.org and, and go to the outline page and you know just type in hisholychurch.org slash outline. It should open up and look, push, what is it, uh, CTRLF, and down there or up there, there will be a little box open up and type in the word Corbin. There's two or three articles on Corbin. And Christ said it was making the word of God the none effect. So how can you tell me that you believe in Christ, you've accepted Christ, and you're out there daily participating in a system that makes the word of God the none effect? Your profession of faith is a lie. Unless you have real faith. And praying to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. Praying to the gods of this world. Making the state your father. Read 
Call no man on earth father. I mean, it's, it's right there in the biblical text. But they got you under a strong delusion. And you should be working for Christ and you're not. And Christ is going to call you to account. But he's not going to call me to account, or at least I hope not, because I am struggling every day to get this message out to you and to anybody else. And I'm willing to do that. And I'm happy to do that. You can't hardly keep me from doing that. And I'm go- as many as I love, I'm also going to rebuke because that is the nature of Christ. If you're pre- pre- preaching a do-nothing gospel, you're preaching a lie. So don't go by the traditions of these false teachers who have delivered the whole world back into the bondage of Egypt, worse than it ever was in Egypt, where 50 million children are being aborted. Why? That's a symptom of the economic woes of your society, of the breakdown of the family that comes with every socialist state. And where did socialism begin? Again, back public schools, public police departments, public fire departments. It's all an abomination before God. And it's time we repent and make straight the way of the Lord. And until then, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.